off day for the Guardians, not an off day for the Twins. We're going to be watching the scoreboard. We're going to be talking about contract extensions. We're going to get into yesterday's game on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, as I have been for all nearly 800 episodes. I did not do a check recently to see just how many we are at. I want to take a moment and thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, Again, for those who don't know me, I am Jeff Ellis. This will be episode 790 on Locked on Guardians. Uh, No new reviews to thank anyone for, so if you pop one up, remember I do give a shout out on the show for those. Uh, before this, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout in 24-7 and wrote for any Cleveland sports blog that you might have read, seen, or once existed. On today's show, we're in a... Well, first off, okay, you're like, where was yesterday's show? My computer was just not wanting to work with me. And then if you follow me on Twitter, I said I'm going to try to do a double header. Well, I got home from work and realized I never took my house key home with me, so... uh when I thought I was coming home early before all the kids get home, uh, I was not <laughs> to wait for them to come home to get let in. So this is just going to be the Friday show. Uh, you know, you got one on Labor Day instead of getting one on Thursday for this week in some format or another. There's a lot of things to talk about in spite of the off day. The Twins just officially won uh, the game, by the way, uh, at this point in time. It's kind of crazy if you get right into it. That ninth got really... And my co-host wants to come and jump on the show. It is very clear. I mean, the the Yankees made it interesting, at least. You know, there was a an intentional walk, a double. And just go down and happened. It was, it was a interesting attempt. Uh, unfortunately for Cleveland fans, nothing came of it. So that means the Twins are a game and a half back of Cleveland. Uh, if Cleveland had managed to hold out yet, uh, yesterday, as of when I'm recording, you know they'd be up two games instead of just a game and a half because it was a rough weekend. I mean, the Twins had lost three in a row. So thank you, New York Yankees. You don't hear that often from me, but thank you, New York Yankees. Uh, I think, man, uh, before we get into the game, can we talk about just how bad every single list for the American League Rookie of the Year is? Uh, and here's the thing. Julio Rodriguez, one, we know. Two, Adlai Rushman. But not all places. The Bobby Witt love is just infuriating. It's not to say that Bobby Witt is bad. Uh, yeah, he's 20 homers, 27 stolen bases, a 2020 guy. Uh, he also has a negative 20 DRS. Like, he does not look like a shortstop. Uh, Jim Bowden, and, and Kate, listen, you all know my view on him. Uh, he released a piece where the only thing he listed for players were war and either OPS plus or ERA plus. And like Bobby Witt's ERA was the lowest in the entire piece, two in his rookie of the year, saying it's only based on this year's performance. Like if you want to base it into the future, I can understand Bobby Witt being two. But when Stephen Kwan's got a four war and has a higher runs created plus, then explain to me how he's better if, this year. Like there is no competition. Quan versus Witt this year, it's easy. 
It's he's not even up. Like Bobby Witt isn't to me a top five rookie of the year candidate. MLB site has him third. Uh, you know, Quan should be ahead of him. What George Kirby has done with the Mariners, I would put Jose Miranda with his hitting with the Twins. Jeremy Pena has slowed down, but I think he's even the better shortstop just this year. Uh, Felix Felix Batista has been amazing with Baltimore. Listen, Joe Ryan has come undone. Uh, Brock Burke is probably the best rookie no one's talking about for Texas. He's also put up like ridiculous uh, ERA plus and war. Uh, yeah, there's so many good candidates. Bobby Wood isn't top five. And there is a clear, clear, clear top three. It's Rushman, it's Julio, it's Stephen Kwan. And those three guys are head and shoulders above the rest of the group. Uh, again, this is your reminder, Spencer Strider, who's probably going to win the National League, former Guardians draft pick, just uh, just to turn that knife a bit in there. Speaking of Braves Rookie of the Year candidates, so Michael Harris is probably going to finish second if you've not been following him too in-depth. Uh, as a 21-year-old kid, he's only got a 142 OPS plus, a 352 on base, a 533 slugging, and he's hitting 310. Uh, by my belief in both old and new, those numbers are pretty good. Uh, he has been, you know, a very strong hitter in his, since his promotion. He was kind of shows the importance of like, you know, drafting well, a third-round draft choice, not not a first-round guy, not a second-round guy, local kid in the third round. I was trying to pull up his bap hip, but the reason I bring him up in this particular situation is, did you see the contract he signed? It's an interesting contract because he signed it halfway through this year, and listen, he was going to be making league minimum the next few years. Instead, he gets $5 million next year, $5 million the year after that, 8 8 9 10 10 12 and at age 30, it's a $15 million team option with a $5 million buyout, and a $20 million team option in his age 31 year with a $5 million buyout. Uh, it's an interesting salary that is a 10-year contract for $67 million. I bring this up because he is 21 years of age. Uh, he has better numbers than Quan. He can probably play in center field as well, and he's got a higher ceiling, I think, than Stephen Quan because you know, I think power is going to come with Harris as well. Not that it isn't already there, but I think it can be even more so. You know, His slugging is a 533. As much as I love Stephen Kwan, you know his that's the his swing is not geared for power. His slugging, for instance, is a, a three seventy six, and he is twenty four years of age, so he's three years older. Doesn't have the ceiling, but he's a little bit maybe safer as a prospect. So my question is: A, would you offer that contract to Kwan? Would you take the risk? But I guess here's my view: like, yeah, twenty million is a ton of money in year 10 when he would be 34. But if you have those buyouts in there, it's not as big of a deal. Yes, it stinks to pay $5 million to get nothing. Uh, now you might be saying, hey, you just said Harris has a higher ceiling. He's younger. There's more he can do. Yeah, he also took a massive discount as a Georgia kid who wanted to stay where he is from. Uh, just for fun, I was pulling up his baseball savant stuff to talk about. So I guess my question is, and yeah, I mean, you go look at his baseball savant. Outs above average, 90th. Outfielder jump, 86. Speed score, 94. I expect a batting average, 90. Average exit velocity, 56. So a, a soft pink. Barrel at 75. His whiff, his chase rate, his K rate, and his walk rate are all areas for concern. Those are all light to deep, dark blue. So there are some concerns that 
you know, he could also be much worse. Like there, there's, there's some risk in that contract. It's, he's not a sure thing. If you go and you look at Stephen Kwan, yeah, his barrel percentage is the worst in baseball, but his K and whiff percentages are the best in baseball. His average exit velocity is one of the worst in baseball. So on top of having a, having no launch angle, he has no, he doesn't hit the ball, hard hit percentage worse in baseball, but you go through outs above average, outfielder jump, sprint score, all light to darker red. And again, best whiff rate, best K rate, 94th percentile chase rate. Do you offer him that contract? If you are a fan of the Guardians and you're looking at kind of a similar guy, a top three rookie of the year candidate, again, someone who is younger, and the Guardians don't typically go 10 years, could you could you go less? Could you go seven years to get to his age 31 season? Uh, but that's only buying out one year of free agency. Is, is it as worthwhile then? Or do you look at that profile that his profile is built around contact tonight at the plate and... Uh, I at the plate is one of those skills. You can look at Jim Tomey. How long did that carry him as a baseball player? Uh, it's just something to think about. As I was kind of concentrating on what the core of this team to me going forward is, uh, I mean, your top three are Jose, Jimenez, and Quan. So what might that extension look like? And as a team that went out and locked up Shaw, locked up Class A, locked up Jose, you know, <laughs> the big one, I'll get there eventually, Quan makes a lot of sense, as does Jimenez. Let's be honest. Jimenez is going to start hitting arbitration. And listen, I agree with everyone who's like lock up Bieber. He's getting, he's going to start making big bank. Like this, this is the Francisco Lindor situation all over again. Attempts were made. There was never really reciprocal interest. So we as fans have to understand that it's, Again, if they had offered something huge, maybe it would have gone. But this team is never going to offer market value. And Shane Bieber had no interest in signing for under market value. And now he is uh, two years away from free agency, I believe, at the end of this year. And after the, you know, listen, we called it the Lindor debacle. And no one really loved that trade at the time. There were people who liked parts of it. But the, the whole trade of getting four players and giving up uh, Carrasco and Lindor, and we call it the Lindor deal, but let's be honest, Carrasco has been incredibly valuable for the Mets right now. Do they, does how this deal worked out make them feel better about maybe waiting another year? If you are in contention, can you really, especially when arguably starting pitching is the biggest question on this team, can you even consider trading Bieber? Uh, we talked about on the show what some trade teams could look like, but it's also hard to thread that needle of getting better while trading your ace. So it'll be something to consider to look at. Jimenez, Quan, what do you think? Can we use Harris as a marker for Quan as both of being, you know, rookie of the year candidates, both being guys who could be center field up the middle types, difference in age, difference in ceiling. And then, you know, for someone like Harris, he took the discount to stay at home. So could Quan's price be a little bit lower just because of the limited tools? We're going to take a break right here, come back and talk about the unfortunate loss to the Kansas City Royals. So I was kind of excited is that the right word? Maybe uh, for this ad read, because our first ever sponsor is back. And not only that, this is someone I've heard advertising on like Kevin Smith and other podcasts to get millions of views. And that, again, this is the OG. This is the original sponsor. This is the first ad read I ever had was for our friends over at Blue Chew. Uh, if you're not familiar, it is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Hence my excited joke there. 
but in a chewable tablet at a fraction of the cost. You can take any time, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, I'm going to be very tongue-in-cheek with this. That's about all I can be. Um, you know, here's the thing with this product. Did I try it when it came through? I, I did. Maybe that's too much information. Let me know if you never want me to say that again. Uh, listen, I'm in my, my 40s now. Uh, I was just like, I've been seeing commercials for things like this since I was a teenager. It's been around forever, and curiosity at some point is going to make you try it. Uh, it does what you think it's going to do. And if, you know, it, listen, everyone can use, can occasionally use a boost, right? And this is a boost that I can say. And here's the other thing, too. I always like it when a sponsor actually lets us try. You know, I'll say sometimes I can't. I have tried. It It works. It does what you need it to do. And right now, we have a special deal. Which is, again, this was the first ever ad I ever did. And I have it right here. You know, it's the same outline. And what's great about it is that they're giving you something for free. You can try Blue Chew right now and you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. And you, you do have to pay the 5 bucks shipping. They're not going to take a loss on it. You do have to pay 5 bucks for shipping. That's But you get a free... Uh, your first month is free with $5 shipping. That's That's a pretty good deal. That's bluechew.com. That promo is locked on. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important information. And we thank Blue Chew for coming back, the OG sponsor, and sponsoring our podcast again. Okay, this unfortunate game. Uh, <laughs> unfortunate, but man, they almost had three straight games with 10 or more hits and like no runs. <laughs> they are just, it is the most scattershot we have seen them. And if you're really mad at Emmanuel Classe who hadn't blown a game since, I think, I believe, May 9th, uh, then you're just missing the boat. Uh, he didn't have it. Came out and walked those batters. He did not have his command. Sometimes guys don't have it. For Classe, two-thirds of an inning, three walks, one hit, two earned runs. Yeah, it stinks, but he is still the best reliever in baseball. He has that outing. His ERA is still one three nine. I'll say it again. One three nine. He's also pitched in what three of the four, three of the last four games. At that point, he took off Tuesday. They had uh, number ninety nine go in and get the save because Class A had closed the last three games. He's been a high use player, and for a game that was so close, like they walked a tightrope. You go through Morris. You know, the command wasn't as strong, and he only struck out two. I went back, actually, uh, and part of the reason, I feel like that was super loud, I apologize there, uh, that all my issues with yesterday's show was I decided I was going to go back and watch specifically, because, again, kids' bedtimes, same time as baseball games, I watched every single uh, inning the Morris pitched. And then I caught up at the end, and it was a slow game. Uh, It was a slow game. I did get caught up, and Morris pitched well, but he wasn't necessarily dominant. But he showed a lot of signs of what, why people like myself have been so high on him for so many years. This stuff can be absolutely nasty. He has a good pitch mix. He misses a ton of bats. It's always going to be health. And if you're like four innings, three hits, one walk, two strikeouts, why do you get pulled? Well, he's at 61 innings. 61 innings. Nope. 61 pitches. And 60 has kind of been his limit. 
Uh, Henches comes in, and again, I learned that thanks to the Kansas City broadcasters, lowest ERA in, of any reliever since the All-Star break of whatever the minimum qualifier is. Uh, he's he's great. Uh, Eniel comes out and does two-thirds of an inning of work and uh, has a hit and a strikeout. 99 struggles. It, it's funny that he gets the hold because in two-thirds of an innings, he walked three dudes, and that's after... You know, his walk rate has been ballooning. Uh, it is a bit of a concern. I, I don't think we're going to get to rule changes. Well, here, we'll do rule changes very quickly baked into this game. Bigger base is good. Maybe more stolen bases and less of those ridiculous calls where some dude overslides the plate. Uh, pitch clock. It'll speed it up. Shifts. I, I, I kind of like the shift. I'm going to be in the minority with this. I like the shift because I think it's tactical thinking, and I always like rewarding that. Uh, but I do wonder... Listen, 99 experienced pitch clock in Akron. He experienced it in Columbus. But with his new juggling trick on the mound, is he going to be able to get a pitch out in 20 seconds? And he is such a creature of habit that my co-host has some thoughts. I'm not allowed to speak in the basement, as you guys know, or the old man starts shouting. Uh, can he do it in, in 20 seconds consistently? That's going to be a question for next year. But his control issues have been popping up a little bit more. Uh, Trevor Steffen comes in to clean up the inning, but then he has to get relieved by Brian Shaw. And Shaw, good on Shaw. Like Shaw, you could argue that after Henches, that the most effective reliever in this game was Brian Shaw. And you know, in fairness to him, is that too? I mean, outside of some of the games where, when the game is already kind of out of reach, and Shaw comes in, it just feels like he's just kind of out there, like he's not trying. But it feels like he's been okay in that whole situation. Uh, he hit 97, which is like the first time since the Reagan administration, I believe, he has hit that high on the radar gun. Uh, he is up to appearance this year. Let's let's start a little cash. 54, his next appearance, he gets 250K more. So good on Brian Shaw. Next time you see him in a game, no, he just made $250,000 more for that appearance. The pitching was good. It's a 2-1 game with a loss in the ninth. Of course, the pitching is good. Offensively, who reached base twice in this one? Well, there was Oscar Gonzalez, and there was, I believe that was it. And, and listen, if, if you told me that this team would have had two walks and I had to bet my entire savings on it, I would never have picked Oscar Gonzalez to have one of them. Uh, he ended up with two hits and a walk, very clearly one of the stars of this game in spite of the loss. Uh, offensively, yeah, they had the eight hits. Um no, I should have said Andres Jimenez also reached base twice due to having two hits. So, And that's kind of the interesting thing. For all of their offensive struggles, you have Gonzalez and Jimenez hitting back-to-back, and they were five of the uh, ten uh, times that they someone reached base. I also thought it was kind of weird in this game to intentionally uh, walk Bobby Witt Jr., to get to Salvador Perez, who is having a better year and is the more experienced player. Uh, and then can, for the love of all things holy, I know you're expecting this, can someone please explain to Andres Jimenez how physics works? I, did, does he have a bonus I don't know about for sliding into first base? My goodness. Show him the videos. Like, people have done the work. Slide into other bases makes sense. When you can just keep running... Best case scenario, and that's super loud, I apologize, on a slide is that you keep the same speed. Best case is you keep the same speed. 
majority of the time, you're not getting your best case. So please stop signing the first. Someone explain physics to Andres Jimenez. Please, somebody. Uh, it's a it's a cruddy loss. But again, Class A is the best in baseball. Three stars. I'm giving it to Morris for going four innings without giving up a run in his second start. Giving it to Oscar Gonzalez, who had the only extra base hit and reached three times. I'm not going to give it to Andres because he slided into... Slided? He slid into first again. <laughs> Can explain someone go get the you know the the baseball the sports science video on youtube and just show it to him please and since he can't have it we're gonna give it to uh brian shaw because i have picked on shaw so much this year the strong outing by him two-thirds of an inning he played well uh unfortunately again cleveland loses this one so they only gained half a game yesterday and with the twins uh win tonight between the last two two days they essentially gained nothing so it's just going to continue to sit there uh, with the lead in the division. And both these teams, like now the Twins are seven and a half out of the wild card. Well, seven out of the wild card. It, it doesn't matter. Neither Cleveland nor Minnesota is getting that wild card. They're so far back. It's all about the division. Uh, the Twins are now just a game and a half back. So look at it. If they split this weekend series, or split, if, uh, if it's a, if Cleveland... You know, as long as Cleveland wins, what, one game, they would still remain, right? Because if you win one, you go up two and a half, you lose one, you're down to one and a half, you lose another one, you're down to half. So Cleveland has to win one out of three. The pitching matchups are very strongly in Cleveland's favor. We're going to come back and discuss those matchups on the third uh, segment of Locked On Guardians. No matter what you're interested in, our good friends over at Bet Online have you covered you know them. You love them. They're one of our longest-running sponsors in the history of this show. Let's go to Bet Online right now. Let's let's ignore the ad read. Let's go against type and let's go see what is interesting at Bet Online because there's always something interesting. There's always things they're doing differently uh, between futures. I talked about you could points of time vote on politics on here. Uh, the Browns game this weekend. Uh, it's a pick game, so that that's a situation where you know. Uh, there, there's no points going across. Let's see if they have anything up for the Cleveland Guardians matchup tomorrow. And remember, our good friends at Bet Online, they also have podcasts, they have articles, they have everything you could want. They have you covered over at Bet Online. Uh, Cal Quantrell is plus one and a half against Dylan Bundy and the Twins. That is a, uh, an, and it's minus two fifteen. So people apparently. Uh, are, are really believing in Cleveland in this matchup. So go check it out for yourself. You can see some featured same-game parlays. And it's just not... You can go Chinese Taipei, Japan, South Korea. Whatever your preferred sports or baseball location, you will find it with our friends over at Bet Online. So let's do some quick minor league shout-outs. One, when I was talking about the great night of B pitching in the system with Shane Bieber and his wonderful performance on Tuesday with Tanner Bybee continuing to miss bats by the score, I missed Rodney Boone. It was a 3B day. It wasn't just 1B of excellence. It wasn't 2Bs of excellence. It was a 3B day. Rodney Boone on Tuesday, six innings, three hits, one earned run on a home run, no walks, and get this. 12 strikeouts. He was the best B of the group when you're looking at strikeouts. Rodney Boone, left-handed pitcher, and also UC Santa Barbara. Same school as Shane Bieber. Speaking of UC Santa Barbara, let's do a quick check-in on our old friend Kyle Nelson. 
There was a time where I talked about the top reliever in the Guardian system was 99 at the top in terms of prospects. And I had Sandlin and Kyle Nelson in the same tier. Nelson looked awful with Cleveland. It was all of nine and two-thirds innings last year. Struggled in AAA. I don't know what Arizona figured out, but as that Arizona team is surging, he's a big part of that bullpen. He's up to nearly half a win. His FIP is 311. Uh, his ex-FIP is higher because he hardly gives up a home run. Walk rate under three. That's better in his walk rate throughout most of his minors. He's not missing many bats, but a super effective lefty. And just speaking of old friend alerts, if we're looking into Fran Mill right now, because I think you got to continue to focus on what he is doing. Uh, why is this not separating for me? And Fangraphs is giving me a little bit of an issue here, so I apologize for that. And let's click on partial seasons, so maybe it'll actually do it. There we go. So he is now up to a 288 average, a 333 on base, and a 500 slugging. Good for an 830 OPS. And his run cr- runs created plus is a 129. Last year for Cleveland, he was at a 125. So whatever happened, he is almost the same hitter he was since he's left. That, that is just, yes, they talked about the flexibility of opening up that DH spot. My goodness, I would love to give up flexibility, see less Owen Miller out there, see less of some of the things they do, and just have a guy with a 120 runs created plus out there helping this team out. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Some other quick notes around uh, the Guardians and the Miners. Should we talk about the fact that, uh, you know, that same night that Boone struck out 12 for Lake County, um, you had 10 strikeouts for Bybee in uh, Akron. Can't remember how many Bieber had, but, you know, he had a great game. Uh, Ryan Webb, the... He was hurt when they drafted him out of Georgia. I believe right-handed pitcher. He had 10 Ks for uh, for the Hillcats. Carson Tucker, we talked about his struggles this year. He had his first home run, so good on him. And some Pitcher of the Month awards. Not week, but month. Tanner Baibu, who we just keep talking about. The, for my money, the most underrated pitching prospect in baseball. Because even in his own system, he can't. he doesn't get put by most people into Tier 1. I think he's Tier 1 said it many times. You look at Bybee, you look at Espino, you look at Williams, and you look at Rocchio, and those are the top prospects in the Guardian system. All he's done this month, 4-0 with a 1-3-2 ERA, 37 Ks and 34 innings, and he has continued to have the fifth lowest ERA in all of minor league baseball, seventh most strikeouts. Uh, that ERA is sub-2 for a guy drafted a year ago who's added six miles an hour to his fastball. Will Dion, who we've also talked about, has a Kershaw-esque delivery. Got recently promoted from Alcorn State. Small school. I think it's Alcorn State. I could be wrong there. 3-0, a 1.16 ERA in his four starts with Lynchburg. 23 and a third innings. 27 Ks. That's pretty good. From what I understand, that is pretty good. The Cleveland Guardians, we have... Our concerns, you know, the right now the pitching staff is very beat up. Uh, they're going to, it, it's going to be a struggle down the stretch in that regard. But man, pitching in the minors looks bright. Very quickly to check in since mid-August, how are our runs created plus shaping up? When this offense went in the tank, Jose Ramirez has started rebound one twenty-three. Remember from when he got hurt through 
the beginning of August, he had been in a league average of 100 runs created plus. Andres Jimenez, 117. Oscar Gonzalez, a 101. If you had told me that Austin Hedges would have the fourth best at any point this season, I would have said you were on something, but he is at an 87. He's been solid. And then you have Quan, who's been down to a 70. Owen Miller to 67. Josh Naylor to 66. Ahmed at a 37. 28 for Maley and a 16 for Straw. So that is your lineup since mid-August when they've started to have some of their struggles. In terms of the matchups this weekend, Cleveland has the big three. The three guys who would start for them in the postseason are all lined up for the Twins. And that is Cal Quantrell versus Dylan Bundy. You have Tristan McKenzie versus Chris Archer. And you have Shane Bieber versus Aaron Sanchez. This is like... Cleveland has their three aces, and the Twins have the three reclamation projects. Chris Archer has been worth uh, 0.6 war this year. He has done what they've needed them to do, him to do with the Twins. Twins, I believe, lead all of Major League Baseball in amount of innings lost to injury. It has been rough. Their pitching in particular has been beat up. Chris Archer, though, 24 starts, 100 innings. 4.47 ERA, 4.37 FIP. He's been a 5, but they needed someone who could eat some innings. He has done that for them this year. Aaron Sanchez, it had been a bit of time since he had seen you know, double-digit starts in the big leagues. 2019 was the last time that had happened. 49 innings for them. His FIP is a 468. ERA is a 698. That's the game you need to circle. Now, I feel like in the past, Aaron Sanchez has actually been a struggle for the Guardians, but then again, the last time he was good with Toronto, none of those players, except for Jose Ramirez, are still with the Guardians. So, I don't really think we can use that data. That Chain Beaver matchup Sunday, that should be the, the no-doubter. And then, did I not click Dylan Bundy here? Dylan Bundy has, like, been a two-time reclamation project. Uh, man, he got hurt with... He was a... He was one of the most hyped prep pitchers ever. Got hurt with Baltimore. Took a while to figure it out. Had that great year in L.A., which might have been the strike year, right, where he was a Cy Young candidate. And then, you know, in the year before that in Baltimore in 2019, he was actually pretty good as well. And he just... Not very consistent year to year. This year, he's got a 434 ERA, a 416 FIP. Again, solid pitcher. Just doesn't miss bats. Doesn't walk anyone. But hey, the Guardians don't walk and they don't strike out. So we'll see what happens in this matchup. I should really go through and just start looking when they face guys like this. Bundy will be interesting. 118 innings. Like the Twins need depth. These guys have provided depth for them. Uh, but they're just so beat up. And Cleveland is missing Sonny Gray. Like that is advantage Cleveland. That's the one pitcher I don't want to face because Joe Ryan's been solid, but Joe Ryan is also faded significantly in the second half. So this should be advantage Cleveland for most of this series. You know, it's, it is, I believe in Minnesota, correct? So Cleveland has to go there, which I, I don't know. I feel like Cleveland should be expected to take two out of three of these games. One will probably get away. I know he didn't do the traditional like one by one matchup, but I think Cleveland should be expected to take two out of three games they take two out of three games, they'll leave with a two-and-a-half game lead. Uh, and then they will get the Chicago White Sox next, I believe. Nope. Man, I keep thinking the White Sox are coming up, or maybe I just want the White Sox to come up. It's Los Angeles, then Minnesota again. Nice thing is, if you've read the rumors, Tony La Russa will be back by the time 
Cleveland faces the White Sox, so that will definitely help out Cleveland in those matchups. I've been Jeff Ellis for the Lockdown Guardians podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review. Download daily. It helps. This is the time where I'm like, hey, if you haven't done YouTube, please go subscribe. Getting to 1,000 is huge for a little podcaster like me. Uh, It would be a big help for the show. Uh, You know, if you're someone like me and you got multiple YouTube accounts, you can subscribe multiple ways. People keep saying. Finally cross 600. We are at 602. So a big thank you to everyone who has helped us get over that. And again, I'll talk about it. The single greatest number of views in the history of this show was thanks to the Seattle Mariners. So again, if you want this to be the single greatest show being thanks to the Cleveland Guardians fans, I just need a little bit of a step up. I, I say that jokingly with love as you Fans out there are the best, and I love interacting and the positivity I get from all of you. Uh, Hopefully, we'll come back Monday, and I'll be in a happy place, and the Guardians will expand their lead in the division. Worst case, I'm not going to believe that they're not going to be in first. With the pitching matchups they have, they can't get swept. They just, they can't. So, now on Monday, when they get swept, you can all yell at me. Uh, Thank you again, and as I I end every episode, go, go, Guardians, go.